Good morning, everyone. All right. Yes, today's message is today's message is how to control our own tongues. From James chapter three. Now I'm I'm led to continue preaching from the book of James. We've already gone through James chapter one uh, this past January, where we went through the pathway to spiritual maturity, where it talks where it says consider it all, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Because it's going to happen, and our God selects the specific trials he ordains will take place in our lives. But be assured that the testing of your faith, my faith, our faith, through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And we already went through James chapter 2, this past May, and there is where James reminded us that faith without works is dead. And now here in September, we're going through James chapter 3, where James shows us how to control our tongues. Amen? And as was mentioned before, James was writing to Jewish believers who had been dispersed, scattered, uh, possibly as a result of Stephen's martyrdom. And that, uh, that's in uh, Acts chapter 7 where it talks about that. James himself also was a Jew and was the oldest half-brother of Jesus Christ. And his brother was Jude, who also wrote the epistle of Jude. James at first uh, rejected Jesus as Messiah, but later believed. James became the key leader in the Jerusalem church, and he was called one of the pillars of the church, along with Peter and John. James was also known as James the Just because of his devotion to righteousness. He was martyred in AD 62, according to the first century Jewish historian Josephus. James was very strong and very direct with his statements on wise living. Similar to the book of uh, Proverbs, John MacArthur notes James had a practical emphasis stressing not theological knowledge, but godly behavior. James wrote with a passionate desire for his readers to be uncompromisingly obedient to the word of God. We shall see this in James chapter three. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Lord, I pray at this time, I want to honor you, I want to exalt you. You and the word, the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would remove all distractions, all interferences that come into the mind. 
you know, causing us to think of other things, you know, that, uh, Lord, I pray that you just remove all those distractions and allow us to focus on you. I pray that you would open up hearts. Pray that we would be honest with ourselves and see ourselves here to be able to grow, to be able to repent, recognize where we're at, and repent and forsake those sins and continue to grow. Continue to be growing our sensitivity to you and your leading. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way as we spend time together in your word. In your name we pray, amen. So my outline this morning is, number one, controlling our own tongues, verses one through 12. And number two, heavenly wisdom versus demonic wisdom, verses 13 through 18. So controlling our tongue. James in chapter three starts out in verse one by making a very profound, interesting statement. Uh, he wants his Jewish uh, scattered audience that not, he says that not many of you should become teachers serving in a official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and are more and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. It's interesting to me, why would James be motivated to teach and preach God's word knowing he's going to incur a stricter judgment from the Lord? I would think a lot of Christians would want to avoid undergoing strict, stricter judgment from the Lord, don't you? Because the tongue is so hard to control. It's like trying to walk through a minefield. The potential of getting blown up is very, very high. So teachers, if, if they say the wrong thing, they're going to be judged more strictly from, the, from God. Now, if we're going to be a teacher, you have, you have to use words to communicate. Teachers use words all the time. There's no getting around that. If you're, try, if you're called by God to teach, you and I need to be filled, you and I need to find ways on how to get better at it, to please and honor God and benefit the body of Christ. But what if you say, but what if uh, you say to God, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna teach the word of God to others because I don't want to incur stricter judgment from you, Lord. Well, how did that go for Jonah in the Bible? When Jonah said no to God, because he didn't want to go to Nineveh to preach the word of God there, I learned from that, you can't say no to God. No, you're gonna go. Think about Moses. God wanted Moses to talk to Pharaoh to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
uh, Exodus chapter 3. Moses didn't want to do it. He didn't, have, he didn't have confidence in himself at that time. He felt the task God wanted him to do was way over his head. He couldn't do it, he felt. But he did do it eventually. We can't say no to God. So now I'll think about that. For James to include himself to be even more strictly judged by God, and he still wants to teach God's word, that says something right there about James's heart for God. His obedience level and, and the character quality James had as a man of God. This also says something about the seriousness and the mindset to willingly take on this very important and needed responsibility. I, I admire that, don't you? I believe this is what maturity in Jesus Christ looks like. Yes, James, filled, he fulfilled what he uh, admonished us to do in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. I encourage you to write that down and meditate that again on your, on your own, your own quiet time. That's James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Even here in James chapter 3, like Jonah and Moses, we must understand as we study verse 1 as being followers of Jesus Christ, it's not really like James had an option here. Yes, he does say, not many of you should become teachers, meaning, hey, this isn't a simple walk through the park kind of thing here. If you're not going to be serious in your relationship with the Lord, don't do it. Don't jump into this without understanding the seriousness of this endeavor. The word of God must be handled reverently and accurately without hypocrisy. We must make sure we are living the word of God as we teach and preach the word of God. It's our doing, is our doing matching what we are saying? God is looking at that. So if, so if our God has gifted us to be a teacher or preacher, we don't have the, op the option or the luxury to tell God no. I don't want to do it. I can't do this. It's too difficult for me to do. I feel too uncomfortable about doing this. James is telling us, put your emotions aside, trust God, and do what you're told what God wants you to do. Amen? Now, with that being said, it's our tongues, what we say, what comes out of our mouths, is very, very important here. Verse 1 continues with, because we have assumed greater accountability and more uh, condemnation if we teach incorrectly. If in our teaching and preaching, we are, actu we are actually influencing people away from God and his word, our challenge is what comes out from our mouths at times. What we say is the, is the hardest to control. 
And again, it's like trying to walk through a field, a minefield with, without getting blown up. And I'm a witness of that. One of, my one of my daughters told me about something I said in the presence of others that really hurt her feelings. And when she told me what I said, I was convicted. She was right. I had to say, I hear what you're saying, and you're right. I was wrong for saying what I said. I apologize for saying those things to you and, and about you. I was wrong. Thankfully, she said, I forgive you. And she really has. She still wants to be around me. <laughs> Amen. Verse 2 tells us, for we all stumble in, in the King James Version, it says offend, meaning stumble, trip, error, sin. We make mistakes. And, and sin in, in, in many ways. If anyone, or believer, does not stumble in what he says, neither saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character without serious flaws able to bridle his whole body, like a horse is controlled by a small bit, and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. We see here in James chapter 3 that James wants us to understand what's going on here by personifying the tongue to show how dangerous our tongues can be. I stumble by saying the wrong thing, and our tongues, what we say, can have a devastating impact on our lives and the lives of others. I can also impact future generations. In doing that, and in doing it that way, he echoes the scriptural truth that our mouths are a focal point and vivid indicator of man's fallenness and sinful heart condition. Listen to these passages, or listen to these passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 15, verse 11. Uh, Jesus tells us, it is, it is not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles and dishonors him, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles and dishonors him. Verse 16 through 19, Jesus told Peter, after Peter uh, asked to explain a parable, he said, he said, are you still so dull and unable to put things together? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But whatever word comes out of the mouth comes from the heart referring to our inner spiritual selves where our thoughts and feelings from our minds come from. The heart is where sin and defilement, moral filth comes from. And this is what defiles and dishonors the man. For out of the heart, Jesus says, comes evil thoughts and, and uh, plans, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, 
false testimonies, slanders, verbal abuse, uh, irreverent speech, and blaspheming. As I'm going over these, some of you might be thinking, man, so is this really attainable to not stumble in what I say? To be a perfect man or woman, fully developed, matured in Christ-like character, without serious flaw, is this attainable? Remember now, James is not writing to the world, non-believers. If that were the case, yeah, it, it would be impossible to be perfect, mature in Christ-like character. James is writing to Christians. He is exhorting Christians, reminding them and us that our mouths are polluted. But the only su successful tongue tamer is God. You and I need to be filled with scripture, submitting ourselves to God. That's the only way to be able to tame our tongues. Amen? Yes, this is another miracle from God. We clearly don't have the power or the ability in our own selves to do this. We need to be obedient and rely on God's grace, his ability, his enablement to be perfect, mature men or women of God. As we do this, it will bring glory and honor to God. Jesus will, Jesus will be pleased with us. Jesus Christ says, yes, it is possible to be fully mature person. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Romans chapter 6 verse 7 says, For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 tells us, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with his passions and appetites. So the Bible says, yes, our tongues can be tamed only through the power of the Holy Spirit and our submission and cooperation with God. Amen. So James re reiterates that we have uh, figured out how to tame a horse, as you see in verse 3, by putting a bit, by putting bits into a horse's mouth in order to control the large and powerful horse and in order to be useful. In the same way, we've learned how to control large ships in verse 4 as they move through the waters by very strong winds. We've learned how to utilize the winds to move the ship along. Today, we use powerful engines to move boats and large vessels through the water, being steered by a little rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. 
So let's be careful as we learn to, uh, to what we, as we learn what God is telling us here and how we can control our tongue. Verses 6 and 7 uh, says this in the contemporary English version, version of the Bible. It says this, James tells us, the tongue is like a spark. It's an evil power that, that dirties the rest of the body and sets a person's entire life on fire with flames that come from hell itself. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures can be tamed and have been tamed. Verse 8, but no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. Well, how so? Well, as we already know and have experienced this ourselves, it can destroy self-esteem, devastate relationships, ruin careers, and kill ministries. As sure as any tiny match can set a forest ablaze, the mouth, our mouths, cause harm that's out of proportion to its size. So as Tony Evans says, if you want to change the course of life, you need to ask God to help steer the little rudder call your tongue. In verse 13 through 18, James makes a transition from discussing teachers and the tongue to dealing with wisdom, wisdom's impact on everyone's life. And this is heavenly wisdom versus demonic wisdom. Let's first look at what wisdom is. What is wisdom? Well, there are two Greek words that describe what wisdom is. And they are uh, phronies and sophia. But here in James, the Greek word uh, sophia is used in James chapter 3, verse 15, and it means insight into the true nature of things. It is here where James gives us answers to how we as believers in Jesus Christ can control our own tongues. Only Christians have the ability to do this by God's grace through faith. James says in verses uh, 13 through 18, are any of you wise or sensible? Or is there anyone uh, of us here, out here, who is really skilled in the art of living? Then show it by living right and by being humble and wise in everything you do. Verse 14. But if, you, but if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfishness, don't brag or lie to cover it up cover up the truth. The Greek term for bitter is a uh, uh, picaros. It has the idea of piercing, sharp, pungent, it's sharp, pungent, having a sharp and caustic quality. Uh, criticism was used to, uh, was used of undrinkable water. When combined with jealousy, 
it defines a harsh, resentful attitude toward others. Selfishness or selfish ambition is sometimes translated strife. It refers to self-seeking that causes hostility or opposition toward others and causes splits between people and groups. The Greek word came to describe anybody who entered politics for selfish reasons and sought to achieve their agenda at any cost, even if it meant trampling over others. Verse 15, this kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It's earthly and, self and selfish, and it comes from the devil himself. Earthly, natural, demonic is the description of man's wisdom, which is, number one, limited to earth, number two, uh, characterized by humanness, frailty, and un unsatisfied, unsanctified heart, not holy before God, not sacred before God, outside of God's grace, and an unredeemed spirit, not born again, not heaven bound. Number three, generated by Satan's force. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says, this is why only some, someone who has God's spirit can understand spiritual blessings. Anyone who does not have God's spirit thinks these blessings are foolish. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15 says this, and it is no wonder even Satan tries to make himself look like an angel of light. So why does it seem strange for Satan's servants to pretend to do what is right? Someday, they'll get exactly what they deserve. So the wisdom of the world sounds good until you match it up with the light of God's truth, the word of God. In verse 16, wherever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. Disorder. This is the confusion that results from instability and chaos of human wisdom. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from above, number one, leads us to be pure. This refers to spiritual integrity and moral sincerity. Every genuine Christian has this kind of heart motivation. Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who may climb up the Lord's hill? Referring to the hill in Jerusalem where the temple was built. Or who stands in his holy temple? Only those who do right for the right reasons and don't worship idols or tell lies under oath. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, God blesses those people whose hearts are pure. They'll see him. Romans chapter 7, verses 22 and 23 say, With my whole heart, I agree with the law of God. But in every part of, my, of me, 
I discover something uh, fighting against me, fighting against my mind. And it makes me a prisoner of sin that controls everything I do. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, try to leave or try to live at peace with everyone. Live a clean life. If you don't, you will never see the Lord. Amen. Number two, wisdom that comes from above is friendly or peaceable, which means peace-loving or peace-motivating. Matthew chapter uh, 5 verse 9 says, God blesses those people who make peace. They will be called his children. Number three, wisdom that comes from above is gentle. To be gentle is the opposite of being arrogant and self-promoting. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of being out of control. It is not weakness, as some people might think. Gentleness or meekness is having supreme self-control empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The statement that the meek shall inherit the earth is a quote from Psalm 37, verse 11. Number four, wisdom that comes from above is sensible or reasonable. The original term describes someone who was teachable compliant, easily persuaded, and who willingly submitted to military discipline or moral or legal standards. For believers, it defines uh, obedience to God's standards. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says this, God blesses those people who depend only on him. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. They belong to the kingdom of heaven, or that the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. God blesses those people who grieve. They will find comfort. God blesses those people who are humble. The earth will belong to them. Number five, the wisdom that comes from above is kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere, without hypocrisy. The Greek word occurs only here in the New Testament and indicates a consistent, unwavering person who is undivided in his commitment and conviction and does not make unfair uh, distinctions. And that's James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Verse 18 says, when, when peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. These are good works that result from salvation. Matthew chapter 5 or 6 says, God blesses those people who want to obey him or who want to do right or want everyone to be treated right. More than to eat or drink, they will be given what they want. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, God's spirit makes us loving, happy, 
peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. There is no law against uh, behaving in any of these ways. Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 says, Jesus Christ will keep you busy doing good deeds that bring glory and praise to God. Amen. Righteousness flourishes in a climate of spiritual peace. And again, James gives us answers on how we as believers in Jesus Christ can control our own tongue. And this is why James didn't have a concern about being judged by a higher standard by God and willingly assuming greater accountability. Amen? Because James was already in a right relationship with God. He sought and lived his life by the wisdom that came from above. And that's why he was able to be strong in the Lord and was able to stand bold and unashamed before God and others. So now we have to be honest with ourselves here and ask ourselves a question. What mode of operation am I really coming out of? Am I operating out of bitterness? Am I jealous or selfish? Sometimes these attitudes rear their ugly head on an ordinary day. This, uh, this past Thursday, uh, I was coming home and I was on the Dan Ryan. It was heavy traffic as usual. It was around four o'clock. And I was, um, I was on the, uh, the local lane, you know, right where that split, where on your left, it's going to take you to the Skyway. Well, I was on the left lane going, continue, proceeding south on the Dan Ryan. And you know, when you're in that lane, uh, as you already know if you're a driver, there's always somebody cutting in in front of you. Either because they uh, were trapped, they didn't realize this fork was coming, or they were just impatient. And so they're just going to bogart their way in. Well, I let a few people in, but this one guy who wanted to come in, I have to admit, what set me off was he got really close to my truck trying to intimidate me. Well, I wasn't going to be intimidated, <laughs> so I didn't let him in. So he tried coming in, and I boxed him out. So eventually, he went, to, he went in front and got in. And wouldn't you know it, as I... Um, was going along and I saw the traffic was really bad. I decided to get off on 71st Street. And wouldn't you know, he got off too. He got off right in front of me. And he made it known how he felt about me not letting him in. And so we went our separate ways. And I proceeded uh, on 71st Street. I made a turn on Vincennes to go home. And I began to really think about that. Or it's probably the Lord bringing it to my heart. You, you could have let him in. That, that, that wasn't necessary. What, what is it going to hurt you? Thankfully, uh, there was no accident. He was that close. He was almost touching the van. Well, if that was an accident, then what am I going to do then? I'm going to have to explain to my bosses what happened, and it, it would just have been not good. So I have to learn, you know, just let these folks go. Amen? Let it go. 
And sometimes these attitudes rear their ugly head on an ordinary day. And if you are not honest with yourselves and God, it's going to show up. <laughs> and it's going to come out by what we say and what we do. So in order to grow in our Christian life and move forward, if we are seeing now that this is our problem, that we are in fact struggling with bitterness, jealousy or selfishness, the flesh, we can see the results of our attitudes now, right? I've caught, and I've caused trouble in my life and other people's lives. Yes, it's coming from me. I've caused trouble and I've said some pretty mean and cruel things. You see, it's, you see it and you see the results. And God is convicting your heart right now. If this is you, then you are going to have to, number one, humble yourself before the Lord right now. Admit to God that painful truth where you really are at. Number two, repent. First John verses one, first John chapter one verses nine and ten says this: If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just, true to His own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness. Our wrongdoings, everything not in conformity with his will and, pur and purpose. If we say that we have not sinned, refusing to admit acts of sin, we make him out to be a liar. By con contradicting him and his word is not in us. So just come clean. Number three, allow God to work in your heart to clear up the bitterness, jealousy, selfishness, flesh, and bring, begin the work of healing and restoration in your life. Allow God to do that. Amen? But on the other hand, if you see yourselves living on the on the wisdom that comes from above. You really are living a pure life and in a right relationship with God. You have been friendly to others. You've been gentle, uh, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere to others uh, on a continual basis. If that's really you, then James says, you, my dear friend, are a peacemaker. You are mature and fully developed spiritually. This is what maturity in Christ looks like. And so as a result, when peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice and peace and goodwill between individuals. So how can we control our tongues? Number one, ask God to help steer that little rudder called our tongues. Number two, you and I need to be full of the scriptures and continue to grow in it. 
Number three, submit yourselves to God continually. Number four, confess sin when you fall. This is the only way to be able to tame our tongues. In closing, as a result of your hearing this message today, you've come to realize that you don't have a relationship with God. And with every eye closed and head bowed, if this is you, you're not born again. You've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And so you've come to realize now that you are lost and without a Savior. If you want to receive Jesus Christ right now to be your Lord and Savior, if you want to have an eternal, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, starting right now, then do these few things right now. Number one. Realize that the Bible says, or realize what the Bible says, that all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own ways, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this is the judgment. That's, this, these are taken from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, if you care to write that down. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. So, and then next, number two, repent. The Bible says, unless you repent, you will all, you will all likewise perish. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And that's Luke chapter 13, verse 3, and Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And lastly, number three, receive. The Bible says, but as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him, from the dead, you will be saved. And that's John chapter 1, verse 12, and Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Amen? Well, let's close in prayer. Lord, I, I pray that ears heard the message this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts if there's anyone out there who is really struggling with their tongue, I pray this has been a real encouragement to uh, straighten that up and bring healing along the process. Lord, I always want to honor you and glorify you. Have your way. And thank you for this opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. <laughs>